Many say exploration is part of our destiny, but it's actually our duty to future generations and their quest to ensure the survival of the human species. The Interplanetary Podcast. The exploration of space for the benefit of all mankind. Your hosts here in London, Matthew Russell and Jamie Franklin. Do, 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 oh yeah, baby space. Oh yeah, baby space. Good. Boom. Matt, how are you? I'm rushing around, Jamie. As you know, I'm moving house. Moving house, aren't you? Yeah, so I'm going to have to edit this on my computer that I've left all set up to edit. But, oh my God, yes. Hectic. It's going to be a short one. Well, that's very exciting and hectic times. Hectic times, moving house. Oh my God. Anyway, who was that, Jamie? What marvellous person quoted that well it's the one and only buzz aldrin that the buster the big buzz <laughs> oh, we love him don't we oh my god what an absolute legend completely is so yeah november the 11th is the 52nd anniversary of gemini 12 oh 52nd 52nd anniversary which of course is Bud Ol- buzz aldrin's first flight into space it is four day mission map mm, the 10th and final gemini flight the 18th manned american space flight and the 26th space flight of all time if you include x-15 flights that went over the Kármán line. That's correct. It was also the fifth rendezvous and fourth docking with an agenda target vehicle. Or ATV, Matt. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, did you know it was uh, Mr Lovell, James Lovell's second flight as well? That's a crew, ah, isn't no it? No way. That's a crew, isn't it? I didn't know that. Lovell and Aldrin. Glory. Well, here's some stats for you, Matt. Mm-hmm. As you know, you, you love a stat, don't mm-hmm. you? Mm-hmm. Uh, Buzz performed three EVAs for a total of five and a half hours, successfully demonstrating that astronauts can effectively work outside of the spacecraft. Yes, and and it's funny, isn't it, because David Baker mentioned this a couple of weeks ago on the show, that uh, Buzz Aldrin was really, really influential when it came to all the spacewalk innovations, including the underwater training, which, of course, is standard now in the buoyancy tanks. Yeah, so a lot as of we that. know, we've been there, haven't we, Matt? Yeah, yeah. Well, we've been to didn't the, go in. No, but... we've been to the European version of it. Yeah, which is uh, in um, Cologne. Absolutely loved that. Yeah, it was amazing. So, Matt, fourteen scientific experiments: frog eggs, photography, nuclear emulsions. That's cosmic ray photography, Matt. Yeah, nice. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, I'm I'm intrigued about frog eggs. Yeah, Matt. well, yeah, something to do with how do frog eggs grow in microgravity. It's always yeah. interesting, isn't it? A bit of frog spawn. It it's is. a bit of a kind of junior school experiment, isn't it, with frog spawn? It is. <laughs> One of my mates once um, ate some frog spawn from a pond. Ooh. He was a weird kid. Oh, man. I'm, I, I, won't, I won't name and shame. There was a kid called Tim who used to do stuff like that. Oh, really? Oh, Tim? Yeah, Tim. Guess how many people out of the US Department of Defence, they, they gave up how many people to work on Gemini 12 to support it? Uh, I'm going to hazard a guess at 9,776. Oh, so close. It was 9,775. <laughs> <laughs> I'll give you it. Actually, I'll give you that because there's bound to have oh. been an extra person, like a cleaner yeah. that someone forgot about. Exactly. 65. Exactly. Never forget the cleaners. 65 aircraft and 12 ships all involved. And after the four-day mission, Lovell had a bit of pink eye. Oh, <laughs> 
And the, and the Gemini capsule that came back to Earth is currently displayed at the Adler Planetarium in Chicago, Illinois. Oh, Matt, what an album that is. Oh my God, Suff Jan Stevens, Illinois. Definitely. And what a song, Chicago. Check it out. It's one of, it, me and Matt don't often agree on music, but one thing we heartily agree on is Sufjan Stevens. Yeah. Classic Illinois. And the first track features on our uh, space playlist. On our, yeah, yeah, it does. Yeah. Um, it's beautiful. Shall we do a little bit of uh, space news of the week? Well, I think we should. Here we go. The SpaceX Starman Roadster has gone beyond... The orbit of Mars now. So it's... Oh, yes. Yeah. And it's going to reach its furthest point from the sun, roughly on November the 8th. So round about now. And it's going to be 155 million miles from the sun. So 1.66 AU. One being yeah, the distance to the Earth. So it's, it's gone a long way. It's pretty it has cool, gone a long way. Shout out to uh, SpaceX. Yeah, and to Ben Pearson, who's, whose model... Is really everyone goes to to have a kind of look at where the Starman is, and uh, he predicts the first Earth flyby to be November the fourth, twenty twenty, where it will be a mere thirty-two million miles away. (laughs) But it will get quite close to Mars that year on October the sixth. It will get four point six million miles from Mars, which, in terms of it's just around the corner. Yeah, which in terms of uh, solar system distances is is quite near. It's quite near. Matt, if I said to you, alien light sail, what would you say to me? <laughs> I'd say, umamu. <laughs> no, <laughs> I wouldn't. I'd say, humuamua. You would, wouldn't you? So this is quite yeah, interesting. Yeah, yeah. And, and again, we come down to just common sense, people. Stop getting silly. Yeah. Well, we? I like this story, but it's a classic example of how the press get a little bit carried away but actually Mm. there was some really solid journalism from the likes of eric berger and lauren grush our our wonderful guests from this year they they both wrote very measured pieces on this and got some nice interviews with other people about Mm. this uh jonathan mcdowell was weighing in of course another one of our guests and uh, i think i'm going to leave his quote to the end because i think it pretty much sums it up but it does. A couple of guys at the Harvard University, at the Harvard Smithsonian Center for Astrophysics, Loeb and Byerly, I hope I pronounced their names right, basically have, Me too. have, have suggested uh, that uh, Humuamua might actually be an alien light sail. Hmm. Um, and the reason why they're saying this is because, first of all, when it first entered the solar system, it was called a comet because they thought it was a comet. Uh, and then when they realised it was uh, an interstellar interloper, they called it an asteroid. But then they noticed a few kind of gravity, um, a few sort of changes in its orbit that could be only explained by gassing like um, comets do, outgassing, where, you know, the comet, as it, as it heats up, it, it lets gas out and, and that gas changes the direction of the of the comet. That's right. But um, the problem with that is they've not seen any of this outgassing. So one theory that Loeb and Byerly are suggesting is that uh, Humuamua is, is, in, is, is very, very long, but actually only 0.3 to 0.9 millimetres thick. 
And uh, the only way you could have that is if it was a purpose-built light sail. And of course, it, w- it would work, and uh, that kind of makes sense. Yeah, whilst it makes sense, their error there was to say it can only be. <laughs> well, yeah, I don't, and, and to be fair, I, you know. I don't think Loeb and Biley, they're saying, look, this is a perfectly reasonable explanation. It, it's, a, it's, not, it's not wild... It's not a wild guess. They've done the maths and they've done the physics. And they're saying this is a reasonable explanation. And I agree, it's a reasonable explanation. However, the likelihoods of it being the correct one are unbelievably small, I reckon. It's it's a really classic one where you just apply Occam's razor. Yes, it's a nice, simple solution to the problem. It's a light sail. You don't, and most people's misinterpretation of Occam's razor is that you choose the simplest solution. That's not quite right. It's what takes the least amount of assumptions. And really, the comet theory still requires the least amount of assumptions. It doesn't have to assume that there's an alien race capable of creating a light sail for a start off. Mm. It just has to assume that the comet isn't very dusty. And that's the reason why we haven't seen the outgassing, because there's no dust Mm. to kick up. So it's a classic Occam's razor would suggest that it's still a comet, but it's a very interesting paper nevertheless. And I think... Well, let's hear from, let's hear from Jonathan McDowell, Matt. Yes. Give us this quote. So I, I saw one of Jonathan McDowell's tweets on this, and he ha- I, I th- he's been quoted quite a lot in a lot of the um, newspaper articles, thankfully. But I, I, I write one tweet, and it says, the way to read this paper is that it's his, the light sail guy, because Loeb is also in involved in Breakthrough Starshot, which is all about light sails. Mm. Uh, he kind of knows his stuff, so he's got that on his mind. And, uh, and he kind of says, oh, that's what it might look like if, we, if a light sail entered another solar system. So, this is, so the way to read his paper is that here's the light sail, light sail guy going, hey, if you are into light sails, note that Hamuamua looks just like a light sail would look, which is very, 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 very different from it's probably a light sale. So I think <laughs> Jonathan McDowell's giving Loeb and, and Biley um, a charitable view on their paper, and I think that's exactly the right thing to do. I think that's good. It's, an, it's a nice little... It's a good look at science journalism and a nice little story nonetheless. It might be a light sale. Who knows? Who knows? Matt, uh, do you know what's just arrived in the US? I believe... We, we mentioned it, didn't we? It's the, is it the European service module for the Orion spacecraft? It is that. It is that, Matthew. Yes. Uh, the powerhouse that will help NASA's Orion spacecraft venture beyond the moon is stateside. The European-built service module that will propel power and cool during Orion flight to the moon on Exploration Mission 1 arrived from Germany at the agency's Kennedy Space Centre in Florida. We need to hit up our man in Florida, our roaming reporter in Florida, don't we, Matt? Absolutely. It would be so cool to go down and actually see it. Ah, oh, that would be the one. I'm gonna, I'm gonna slag off the whole of the SLS Orion thing. Actually, not the Orion thing. It kind of no. Yeah, yeah I'm gonna slag. It's, it's just ridiculous the whole thing. Anyway, so um, yeah, it's all behind schedule. But uh, at least the European part isn't behind schedule anymore, and it's got there, and and that's not the thing slowing anything down. So we can we can relax now as Europeans. It's we're, we're, exactly. we've done all right. We've <laughs> we've done all right. Our job's done. Yeah, 20,000 components and the four solar arrays provide enough electricity to power two three-bedroom houses. 
So that's that's not bad. Or a house about the size of the one that I'm moving into. How many how many bathrooms you got, Matt? It's about ten. You've probably got seven now, haven't you? Yeah. Two foyers, fourteen reception yeah. rooms, that kind of thing. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but the manoeuvring engine is uh, a refurbished shuttle space shuttle engine. I didn't I, I oh. didn't know that. I didn't know that. Keep it eco. I like it. And if you, uh, Jamie, if you haven't seen it, you need to check out the footage from the Soyuz flight that failed. Oh, I oh my seen God. It. They've released it. It's absolutely amazing. It's like from a GoPro on the side of the boost, uh, on side of the main booster. And as yeah. the three uh, boosters uh, fall away, it just suddenly goes completely ballistic. It, I didn't realise it was going to be that violent. I thought it was just going to be the booster sort of scraping inside the rocket, but it absolutely tumbles the rocket. It's like terrifying. It's unbelievable. You have to watch it. Well, yeah. I will. Yeah. I will be watching that after we uh, after we press stop. Wow. Yeah. No. It's it's so cool. It's it's absolutely unbelievable. So yeah, go go and watch that. Uh, the other thing that I thought was brilliant this week was uh, Robert Zubrin uh, has been out um, telling everyone about his plan called Moon Direct. So obviously, we're very yeah. familiar with our his... man Bob Bob Zub. Yeah, or Bobby Bobby Z as he's known on our Discord channel. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which is quite true. very cool. Um, yeah, so Zubrin's come out with Moon Direct, and I really, really like it, and it kind of does make the whole SLS LOPG fiasco seem just so rubbish. And the one thing that, that Bobby Z rightly points out is this whole idea of having astronauts exposed to radiation in a, in a like unbelievably dangerous amounts of radiation in a in a right. space station around the moon what's what's the point when they can just go down to the surface and, st- and also matt just in terms of finance he's it, showing how unnecessarily expensive uh the gateway would be yeah well it's just ridiculous because you've actually got a launch vehicle that's good to go that's really cheap for, for his plan so his plan is this right you basically you've got three falcon heavy launches so the first launch uh just takes loads and loads of cargo to the to the moon basically solar panels microwave power beaming stuff electrolysis and refrigerating units a couple of crew vehicle trailers uh tele-operated robotic rovers and those rovers are able to go around setting up this new station on the moon then you've got a second Falcon Heavy launch that takes um, a 12-ton habitation module, some food, some spare space suits, some scientific equipment, some tools, and then the rovers hook up the module power and do all that kind of stuff. So basically you're sort of building a infrastructure. Mm. And then the genius bit is this, uh, this thing called the Lunar Excursion Vehicle that's able to sort of, A, hop around the moon. So once you're on the moon, you can jump around everywhere and, and, and look at places. But you can also come back to low Earth orbit and pick astronauts up and go back to the moon again. So a... That's what's genius. And for those of you who were wondering about the electrolysis, mm-hmm. uh, well, that's obviously going to be to turn the, uh, the frozen lakes on the moon uh, into oxygen and hydrogen, man, mm-hmm. so that we can actually uh, affordably get back to and from return trips. Yeah, so you can just yeah, you generate the the fuel on the on the moon. The old the moon is a fueling station, 
so yeah, you just need a human-rated Falcon 9 launch that puts a, a crew up into low Earth orbit. Um, so that's just on your standard Falcon 9, which is going to be available next year. Uh, then they transfer into this um, uh, lunar excursion vehicle, which was launched on a Falcon Heavy. Uh, mm. And then they fly to the moon, land on the moon in the lunar excursion vehicle, and they can get back to lunar Earth, uh, low Earth orbit using that excursion vehicle. Uh, and it just saves so much money. It's just so much better, isn't it? It, it seems to be amazing that NASA don't just hire Robert Zubrin <laughs> to be like the, the the man who just is the consultant here. Yeah. Why wouldn't they? Well, I think he's a... Seems to be a very political man. Yeah, it's, it's a persona... I think he's a bit of a persona non grata over at NASA. He's mm. very, very uh, critical, as is a lot of people about SLS and uh, LOPG. It... They, it, yeah. it Let's. I mean, the more you look at it, the more it turns out that LOPG is kind of that post hoc reasoning for it. It's like, well, we need mm. something. We need something for SLS to do because we've just spent the last ten years spending two billion dollars a year building this thing. So we need exactly. something for it. Well, well, yeah, we can just about justify putting this LOPG as as like, oh yeah, we can need it, and then kind of make up a load of stories about why it's so good and that you can teleoperate robots from the um from the st- space station and you can do loads of stuff from there and use it as a launching pad it's like you can use the moon as a launching pad and, and it's clearly loads safer and and at the, and by this loads loads cheaper so i would love to know what listeners thoughts are on this but uh, we would love to get your feedback i'm totally matt, i'm totally matt, with bobby z on this I'm with Bobby Z too. And Matt, I know that we normally do this at the end of the show, but if people want to get in touch to tell us their comments or thoughts, how do they do it? They just go to interplanetary.org.uk. Sounds simple. Does sound simple. Bit of Patreon, a bit of going to uh, like and subscribe on the old iTunes or Stitcher or wherever you listen to our podcast, but preferably iTunes. We like to have it a lot of activity on that thank you very much maybe you're maybe you're on the instagram <laughs> or maybe the, you want to check facebook, us out or the facebook the zuckerberg yeah. book or i like to call we're it, the, it nick, the nick clegg book <laughs> <laughs> but jamie we're gonna have to we're gonna have to wrap this show up it's gonna be a super short show unless really I, is. We unless haven't I, even done i mean people i know are gonna be annoyed that we missed out space word of the week but we've always got next week we have, we've always got next week and it, yeah. space word of the week this week was going to be home and transfer orbit i know but we'll have to do that next week because i've run out of time jamie and i apologize to all the listeners might as well mention a few uh, a few important launches coming up by the way here we go so uh this morning i watched uh, a soyuz from Kourou launch yeah um we've got a pegasus xl today uh which hopefully will have gone by the time this podcast goes out and we've got that first commercial mission by the electron on Saturday, nice. Hopefully, and as an Indian launch, a, uh, a Chinese launch, we've got a, a Cygnus going up on an Antares and a Falcon Nine Block Five. So it's, it's all go month. go go. And by the sixteenth of November, we might see the return to flight of a Soyuz FG. Um, oh, thank God. So that that's a really important one. Sixteenth of November, the Soyuz flight from Baikonur. And when I, and when I say thank God, Matt, I mean thank David Bowie. Thanks, David Bowie. 
Bo is in space. So, Jamie, I've got to say goodbye yeah. to absolutely everyone. And thank you very much for listening, y'all. Goodbye, everyone. Watch that pink eye. And once I've moved house, everyone, I'll have plenty more time to work on podcast content. So this will be, you know, one of those thin and light versions that will be quite rare from moving on. So it will be. Well, look, have a good house move, Matt. Good luck with much. everything. And we all look forward to the housewarming party. Excellent. Right. See you soon. See you Bye. soon. Bye. Bye.